We welcome you to the Truth Simply Put, our broadcast and teaching series at the Basilea Commission. You're about to receive God's unadulterated word, brought to you by Pastor Alexander Victor. Challenging, uplifting, and provoking you to new dimensions in your kingdom walk. And now, today's message. Well, I am really excited to be here with everyone I've followed this walk, like he said, from the very beginning, and I, I believe in what is happening here. I believe that this is the new face of the church. I've seen these two years incubating and the effect of incubating. Many times what we call church appears and there is no time to incubate. What will eventually emerge from here will surprise every one of you. What will eventually emerge from here will surprise every one of you. I love Pav, and he knows there's nothing he can do about it. <laughs> um, I, I love his spirit, and um, the genuineness of his... Uh, person and ministry is attractive to me. The first time we met, I told him one thing. I said, after he shared his um, vision with me, and I said, what, where are you headed for? And he said, we'll eventually emerge as a church. I said, fine. I said, but there's only one problem between us. He said, what is it? I said, the problem is, I want this person I'm seeing now to remain the person I'll continue to see. Anytime I see something different from this person I'm seeing now, my relationship with you is over. And it has remained. So you have a man of God, not just somebody who says he's a man of God, but they have a man of God in the house. Well, um, you, you have a deep um, well to drink from. And I understand what I'm saying. I brought my Bible. But this can't carry my Bible and my notes. So I put my Bible aside. I'm going to use my... <laughs> well, uh, I believe God to help me this, this evening. Praise God. Honor code. That's the title you have. But I have a portion to, to deal with, which is honoring our church leaders. Honoring our church leaders. Um, honor is a deliberate act of will. You, you don't honor something unconsciously. It doesn't happen like an accident. Is deliberate. It is intentional. It is conscious. And it is targeted at showing the value that we place on somebody or a thing. That value is our estimation. What we honor 
how we honor it shows how much we value that thing. How much of worth it is to us. Honor comes from integrity and humility. You can't say you honor something that you don't believe in. Some of us call people papa, call people mama, call people uncle and aunties, and sometimes the way we call them is just to um, to have what they have. So honor that is not from the basis of integrity is manipulative. Is manipulative. And that happens a lot in the church. So you can't, you can't say you honor somebody you don't believe in. It has to come from inside. There must be genuineness and a humility to acknowledge it, not to fight with it, not to contend with it. Now, the, the church for me, is like a university. God is the pro-chancellor or the chairman of the board. Jesus is the vice-chancellor. And then we have faculties. Faculties of prophets, faculties of teachers, faculties of pastors, evangelists, and what else? Eh? And apostles. So, but... Ultimately, every university, all of these faculties work together to produce individuals fit for a particular society. Even in the issuance of a certificate, they say you have fulfilled all the requirement, necessary requirement for the award. It's not like you gain it, it's awarded you. But if you look at the scripture from the book of um, Ephesians chapter 4, you will understand the purpose, and that's why I think that this um, Galatians chapter 5 is very key. It's very key. From verse 7 of Ephesians chapter 4, you see the purpose of the church clearly defined. And all the, the work of these four, um, five faculties. It says, but to us, each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. So there's a, there's a, a gift that does not match Christ. It's not at that level. It's at the level of Christ, something that is equal um, to the person of Jesus Christ. It says, therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Now, this he ascended, what does it mean? But that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth. He also descended, is he who descended is also the one who ascended far above all heavens, that he might feel all things. There is a motive. There's a motive. That motive is that Christ will be seen in everything. The purpose of the church, like he said, is to 
advertise Christ to the point that everything reflects Christ. Everything reflects Christ. Both consciously and unconsciously. Reflecting Christ. So he says in verse 11, he says, and he, and he himself gave to some apostles, first faculty, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, some teachers. Now watch this. He says, for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. For the work of ministry. For the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. So um, the ultimate expression of success in the church is that every individual is a minister. Ultimate expression of success is that you are a minister. But what kind of minister are you? A church minister? I guess not. I guess not. If Christ will fill all, it can't be just the church. The church is too small for Christ to fill. It can't just, it can't, I mean, how many are we here? Imagine that in our whole lifetime we meet, we are able to convince or affect or influence one million person. That's like a drop of water. It's not enough for the whole world. If that was the plan, then Jesus would not have picked 12 people. Because by 12, he reached even Africa. There's something more. So, so the faculties are there to equip the church to be able to reach out in the seven spheres of life and be able to, like in the second part, which is that for, for, um, um, till we all come to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure and the stature of the fullness of Christ. So it's important. First of all, we must come to that fullness of the stature of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the pattern. Jesus is the ultimate expression of success. Once we come to that stature where we function and operate and our thinking and our choices and our preferences are in sync with Jesus, that if somebody sees you he would find it hard, just as it was hard for people to identify Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, to sh- separate you from Jesus. Then we will be able to fill the world. Now, the plan of God is that he establishes these faculties in the church to propagate himself. In the church, we have leaders who represent these faculties. Those leaders stand in the forefront. Those leaders have a responsibility of understanding the people they are dealing with and the needs of those people as it concerns the agenda of God. And they can work that effectively through to the purpose and fulfillment of God's will. Are you following me? Now, um, I, I, in my life experience, I've worked, um, I, my longest experience in life was with, um, within a particular uh, space in Nigeria, and that's the Igbo community. I worked there longest. 
And I find in that community a, um, a tradition that, that is very, very useful for them. It works for them because they crystallize wisdom in sayings. Now, one of the sayings that they hold very dear to their heart in that community is that if I make my basket a trash can, people will help me fill it. Are you following me? If I refuse that this basket is not a trash can, nobody will put trash in it. But once I make it a trash can, people will help me fill it. And I won't have anything to say. And that's where the church is. If you look around you, you will notice that there's a consistent buildup of an attack on the church leadership to discredit it. Daily, people are rising up to say things and it is even, it's even worse that from the church also amongst us, we discredit the leadership of the church. But yet, we turn around and we want people to come into that very place that we discredit the leadership. The level of honor that we see the church enjoys today is to the degree that we have elevated and honored our leaders. To honor the leadership of the church is not a blind thing because there are scriptures that tells us why. So in the why, we can find um, the reasons for honoring church leadership. And that's what I will first do. I will show you why we must honor the church leadership. If, if you find yourself in any such setting, these are the things to look out for, to, show, to say to you that this leader must be honored. This leader is deserving of honor. Because it's not everybody who says he's a leader of the church who is actually a leader in the church. Some of us are leading people out of the church and leading people elsewhere. But how do I know um, a leader... I should honor. Why should I honor the person that I honor? In, in um, 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 17, Paul, writing to his prodigy, gives a clue, first and foremost. He says, let the Elders who rule well. If, if you have a, a hard copy, if you have a hard copy, you can underline the rule well. Who rule well? Who rule well? You can underline that because that's, that's where the key is. The key um, element for the basis for honoring leadership because sometimes... In the church, we make it look like um, you just have to honor a leader. You just have to honor a leader. Even though that is true, we must honor leaders who deserve honor. Honor is not to be taken for granted. You end honor. Honor is end. It doesn't just fall on you. It's end. So it's not something that you give without um, checking it out. You give it Consciously, you honor consciously, you honor deliberately. 
So it says, let the elders who rule well be counted worthy of double, not just honor, but double honor. That's elevate your honor. Elevate your estimation of such a person. Elevate your estimation of such a person. Give that person, if you have given everybody five, give the person ten. If it was a twenty, give a forty. If it was a one, give a two, depending on your scale. It says, give double honor to people who rule well. And this is how you know that they are ruling well. It says, because they labor where? Especially those who labor in word and doctrine. Laboring in the word is being able to find the thread that connects scriptures from the beginning to the end. You find it yourself, not somebody finding it for you. And you just take reference and, and just be jotting up. Are you able to find the connecting dots in the scripture? Concerning what, where your position is and what your position is. Can you find it? Do you, can you crystallize from those scriptures a principle that holds it together? The labor in the world. They're able to crystallize principles, intents, God's real intent by scripture. And they are able to help you apply those principles to your life. Don't forget the purpose of the church is to raise Christ-like individuals who will spread Christ through the world. So whoever is a leader must have Christ first and be able to understand Christ well enough that he is an example of Christ and is able to share Christ to the degree that following him, you will eventually arrive as Christ. In Antioch, for the first time, the scripture says, the word Christian emerge. Why? Paul and, and um, Barnabas, I guess, stayed there for a couple of months and uh, transformed the lives of the people that they, people they knew became for them like Christ. And so Christian, Christian when we write in our um, bio data's as uh, that we are Christians. We are, we are simply saying we are like Christ. But many times, the people who say that they are like Christ don't turn out to be like Christ. I say this to people who want to hear. I say, if somebody tells you, don't you know I'm a Christian? Run. 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 Everything he says from then on is a lie. It cannot be true. It's true. It cannot be true. Don't you know I'm a Christian? No. You are not. No, you cannot be. How can you be a Christian and you have to tell me you are a Christian? No. When you see a dog, you know a dog. You see a lion, you know a lion. They they, they may look alike, but they they are not the same. You just, this one is a dog, this one is a lion. You, 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 You separate yourself or go towards it. When somebody has to tell you I'm a Christian, oh, no, 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 no. It's time to run. Put your guard up. Because what he's going to do, he just wants to knock off your security and then the next thing you know is that's how all... No, we are not all the same. We are not. We are not. We are not. 
So when you see somebody who is laboring in the word, he's not just laboring for messages to preach. He's laboring to see how he himself can first exemplify what he has discovered and then help you to walk in the same knowledge. Anybody can preach. Anybody. Anybody can preach. Just take a word. Let it be so now. And you can say every other thing, you know. You walked in, you walked in, uh, Julius Berger and they are not paying you. Let it be so for now. You can do anything, but you. <laughs> Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. So it's, it's a, our honor must not go to people who are not laboring in these two things, in the word. Thank God for the catchphrase. It says, everything is where? In the word. We have everything in the word. Everything in the word. So, we labor in the word. People who are laboring in the word, who are able to teach. Who are able to teach. Now, um, if you go down, it says, a laborer is worthy of his wage. But that I'll keep aside. Let's, let's look again at, um, at um, Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6. So we honor because we are taught. 6.6. 6. Galatians 6.6. 6. So let him who is taught the word. Again the word. Again the word. Let him who is taught the word. Share in all good things with him who teaches. We honor because we are taught. We honor because we are taught. We honor because we are taught. I was reading a book. um, A couple of people want to share with me. Okay. Praise God. Okay, um, I was reading a book lately, and, and in that I found, I found something very interesting about gratitude. I find gratitude and honor being in the same category of uh, expressions. For you to be grateful, you must be genuine must be very genuine. There's no hiding in you. And you must be humble enough to acknowledge that probably I could not have done this or without this person I wouldn't have been where I am. And then he was talking about an old teacher. You know, teachers are very unfortunate people. Of all the um, <laughs> disciplines and, and uh, work in life, teachers get the worst kind of treatment. They teach a lot of people who never remember them. You know how you can teach somebody and the person suddenly sees light and then looks around and forgets that it was in this very place where they saw light, that they first saw light and they are looking somewhere else and say, this place is not good enough, they move on. That's what happens to us. We finish in secondary school, we go into the university, we leave our teachers in secondary school, we finish in the university, we go on to life and never remember them. And this lady was, it was a winter and she was alone, now retired, just alone. 
And then, you know how God is, walked in one of her students to send her a mail, thanking her for all the things that she had done for her. She sent a reply, saying all her life she had never received such a gratitude from anybody, all her life as a teacher. And that here she was in a one room, um, under the cold, just trying to make herself dinner. And that this means the whole world to her. People we must honor in the church are people who are able to teach us. Teach us not themselves, but teach us Christ. I found the scripture very interesting. John chapter, chapter 10 verse 41 is about the second to the last um, verse in the book of John chapter 10. And it says concerning John that he did not do miracles. I don't know if you have seen that. He did no miracles. But everything he said about Jesus was true. Everything. John never spoke about himself. He spoke about Christ. Teachers don't speak about themselves. Teachers don't speak about themselves. That's why they should be honored. I mean, you, you have, I, I have the stand. I can tell you stories about my life from now until, until the one hour is exhausted. And probably it will wow you or probably bore you and I walk away. But if somebody to stand consistently making sure that he adds value to your life, they need to be honored. They need to be honored. Sometimes we reduce blessing to just tangibles. You bought a new car, got new clothes, got admission, Visa is only in Nigeria. I see people celebrate visa as if they got uh, something. <laughs> I got a visa to to US. Oh, you are everybody. Even your tone will change and your language will change. Start speaking a one agona. Blessing is the capacity to produce. The capacity to produce. That's what. Church leaders do for us. They empower us to be able to appear, to transform from what we were to what we ought to be. They empower us. And that by the word. That by the word. Praise God. Philippians chapter 2. I'm telling you why we need to honor our leaders. This is why. This is why. This is why. This is why. In Philippians 2.29 I've been a pastor for a couple of years and I think of all the um, work in life pastoring is the most challenging most challenging. Most challenging. This is only a pastor that you find who is, whose heart is for the people to raise them and the people suspect him. I never fool myself. I know that you look at me with some funny eyes. So I, 
I close my eye. To, that's probably why I speak the way I speak. I just keep going. I know that this is the assignment I have to do. I just do the assignment and go away. <laughs> Praise God. It says, receive him. In verse 29, it says, receive him, therefore, in the Lord, with all gladness. Paul is writing concerning Epaphroditus. It says, receive him. Why? It says, and hold, him, hold such men in esteem. Why? Because of the work of Christ. Because of the work of Christ. I have never met a pastor. Let me not reduce the leadership to only pastors. I've never met a genuine man of God who did not live a sacrificial life. I've never. I, I tell people, I said, if I'm a fake, then look at my children. If I'm fake, if I'm doing what I don't believe in, my children will show you because they are the ones I live with. They live with me. They know that they see me labor because I'll finish in church, take a little nap. I'm up again through the night. In the morning, I'm taking them to school. I'm bringing them back. I'm, in, I'm at work. I'm doing the best I know to do. They called me, say, want to find out from you. How do you get such energy to do? I say, if you know what I'm chasing, you will not have one dull moment in this life. My life is a movie. It's unfolding. I don't even have the script. All I know is to just keep acting the part that I find every day. Leaders in the church make the greatest sacrifice. They make the greatest sacrifice. Sometimes it's not even good to share some of the experiences that we have because people will, will demean us. So it's good to put up this facade. Look, see how dressed I am. Beautiful. With my shoe on in Pav's house. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> they make a lot of sacrifice to provide. That's why we must honor them. That's why we must honor them. They have earned that place of honor. By the callings of God on their lives. They have earned it. As many as will stand in their proper places to do the things that God has called them to do. They end our respect. They end our honor. Lastly, I want you to look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 12. I'm just showing you why. Then I'll show you how. How. First Thessalonians. Five. Twelve and thirteen. It says, And we urge you, brethren, to recognize those who labor <laughs> among you. You, you, you see that this honor is not coming as a gift. It's coming in response. The labor is, is a response. It's a response. And don't forget my, my opening. My opening speech, I said, um, honor is deliberate. It's our own estimation, our value. It shows how much we value or how much we are able to value. Because sometimes you may have 
an honorable person around you, and because you don't have value for that person, you may not honor that person. Because you are, your estimation is wrong. But every scripture we read tells us to be conscious of doing that mathematics yourself. Check it out. Is this man laboring in the word? Is he able to teach? Is he making sacrifices? What kind of sacrifices is he making? Can you identify with it? He says, recognize those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. For their work's sake. There is no lonelier, I mean, I don't know any other path that is as lonely as leading a church. I think that the work of the leadership of the church is not just like going to work every day, earn some money, and come back. But many times in the church, we are so critical of the leaders of the church that we are unable to honor them. We are so critical of the leaders of the church that we are unable to honor them. And why, um, how should we honor them? How? First thing, if you notice from all the scriptures, until we receive them as who they are, we cannot honor them. Are you following me? First place is that you will not be able to honor. It doesn't matter what I've said here or what you will find out from scripture later. It doesn't matter. What is important is that first of all, you must receive them for who they are. If you don't receive them for who they are, it will be impossible to honor them. So to esteem a man of God, you must first receive him. As a man of God. First. Second, you must receive him as your man of God. If you don't receive him as your man of God. It's difficult. It's difficult. For you to honor him. And you you know. um, (laughs) Talk is cheap they say. Honor is seen by your actions. What the man of God says, how much of it do you take seriously? How much of it do you take seriously? It is your level of honor that determines how much of his word that you take seriously. Who you don't take seriously you can spend the time. It's like me watching football now. I can only watch football trapped. There's nowhere to go. <laughs> That's the only time you can catch me watching football. But if there's any other thing to do, apart from staring at people trying to make a couple of bucks running about back and forth, I will not be caught there. So you can sit like me, watch, I mean, uninterested. And then go out and your time and the experience and the encounter with that person will add nothing to your life and you will never show gratitude for the time 
and for the energy and the effort that he make. To the degree that you honor your pastor is to the degree that you have received him. I, I grew up in a more ancient time than now where we, we recognize families. Okay? And because you recognize the family where you came from, you were not allowed to act in a certain way for fear that if somebody who knows your family sees you in a party, what would they say? Now, if you say you, I hear people who say, um, you know, because of denomination, I belong to X, Y, Z, and you're watching their life, and you can't relate them to the person that they say they are following. And then one that said, no, it cannot be true. You, cannot, you can't be following this person, and you're acting the way you're acting. The reason is they don't have respect. They don't have honor for that, those people. So their words don't carry weight. Their words don't carry weight. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 17. A pastor is a worksmith. That's what he works with. If you come to church, he's not going to bring out Spanners and screwdrivers to work on you is a word, is a wordsmith, is a word that he uses. The Bible says, Obey those who rule over you and be submissive for they watch out for your soul as those who must give account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable to you. You can't say you honor a man whose words you can't remember. You can't remember. Not one thing. If they ask you, what, what, why are you, why are you, you can't, you can't make reference to one thing that is what keeps you about the person. The greatest joy a pastor has is to see transformation. Yeah. It's not the offerings or the chicken that will come along the line and the, and the prophetic utterance that the chicken inspires. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> but you see, when somebody comes to you as a pastor, I'm, I'm sharing my own personal experience. And you know where they are, and you are able to walk with that person by the word of God. And you see the change, the commitment, the, the decision made, and the dedication to follow those things that you say. There's no reward better than it. There is no reward better than it. There is no greater honor for a man of God than that. But you see, sometimes we profess that we believe and we go out after we've heard we go and try out some other things so we can be here hearing everything we are hearing and then adding other things to it seeing whether we can balance it like like we read from 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 Galatians chapter 5 <laughs> praise God <laughs> our choices show whether we honor 
the man of God. The, the, I'm, I'm trying to say that the greatest honor you can give any person working in the church, any church leadership, is to, to give them the benefit of seeing your life change. Seeing that life change. Seeing that life change. Romans 13, we owe them allegiance. We owe allegiance. We owe allegiance. Every leadership is established by God. Every leadership is established by God. Every leadership is established by God. From verse 1, you see, it says, Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. And the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God, and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. I say this to people, the moment you feel you don't have honor for a man of God, it's time to leave that place. It's time to leave. Don't sit there and bring condemnation on yourself. It doesn't need to cost you. You already put yourself in a bad spot. You have dislocated yourself. You have by yourself dislocated yourself. He is there as an authority appointed by God and must be shown that respect. We must, we must honor them because of where they stand. Now, how do, I, how do I show my honor in obedience? By obeying them, by paying allegiance. There's this, this interesting um, piece in Second Samuel, I think, um, second to the last chapter of Second Samuel 23, at verse 13. Three men come to David. There's a garrison at the gate of Jerusalem. And longingly, David says... Um, I would love to drink from the fountain that is at the gate. And these three men broke ranks, put their lives at risk to bring that drink for him. And he would rather pour it out in honor of God. Now, the, the essence of that story for me is like, if I say I honor a man, to what degree am I willing to sacrifice? What level of sacrifice? The level of sacrifice you are ready to make for somebody shows how much you honor that person. So it's not just um, verbal. Pastor, you know we are loyal. No, we don't need that. <laughs> we don't need that loyalty. Are you up with me in the mud? And dirty. I see some people who who will uh, say, "Okay, my money is working for me." No, money money is your sweat, good. But sometimes it's good to go the extra. What do we need to do? How can we help? It's not convenient, but I'm going to do it. That's how we honor a man of God. It's not convenient, but I'm going to do it. I, was a, I wasn't a deacon before I became a pastor. I, I've not had the experience of going to, you know, like she said, God dislocates you so that you don't get contaminated. New wine. I was never a deacon. I didn't have church experience. 
of politics. No, I did not have it. First, I was working and traveling. So most times, I couldn't have been able to sit down in one church and have them show me the number six cents. No, I didn't have it. So <laughs> I got to this church and the pastor was transferred and he wanted to call me into their listen. I said to him, listen, I, I respect you as a man of God, but I don't want to be involved. I thought you said God called you. If God calls you and they're sending you on transfer, I think you should better go. What I can do for you is to provide transportation. I had very... <laughs> I provided transportation. They moved him out. And the next person came in. I stopped communicating with him. We were not fighting. Are you following me? We were not fighting. But you need to respect the authority on ground. My allegiance was to the person on ground. Not the person who has left. He's left. He can't be. He's there. He's, he cannot be of benefit to me here. So the next person came. And I was, I was a young man. Just recently married. And I had a couple of vehicles at my disposal. So I dedicated myself to carrying the pastor to church. He didn't have a vehicle. So I would wake my wife early in the morning, get dressed on a Sunday morning, take the children and herself to the church, make sure that they were in church, then go wait for my pastor to dress up. So I'll go to my pastor's house, and my pastor has not woken up from sleep. He comes out to look whether his driver has come in his pajamas, and I'm sitting in my car waiting for him. He dresses up, enters the car, I take him to church. Church dismisses. My family will wait in the church until he goes out. You know how people don't like to be ministered to in the service. After the service, they want to be ministered to personally. So those ones will now go for personal ministration. They finish that personal ministration, my family will be waiting. And then I go and drop him, then come back and carry my family. I'm saying this to say that um, honoring leadership comes with sacrifice. It comes with sacrifice. What are you willing to give? What are you willing to forfeit? Unless you are willing to forfeit something, when it's most inconveniencing for you, you cannot say you honor that man of God. You will only know how much you honor your pastor at the time of difficulty, when you are at crossroads, whether for yourself or for another person. And this is my final thought. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 9. It says, For it is written in the law of Moses, <laughs> You shall not muscle an ox while it treads out the grain. Is it oxen God is concerned about? Or does he say it altogether for our sakes? For our sakes, no doubt, this is written. That he who plows should do what? Should plow in hope. And he who treasures in hope should be partaker of his hope. I had said before that I have never been a deacon in a church. And I don't pray that I will ever be. I found myself in this group. We're organizing the pastor's birthday. 
And you know how it is now. We began to think uh, what to do for the pastor. And do you know what a deacon suggested? We should buy him a Bible. So I, I flipped. I, in fact, I flipped. I said, what do, I said, what do you mean? I said, did you, the, all this while he's been ministering to you, is it your Bible that he's been using? I said, okay, tell me now, what Bible does he use? Do you even know how many Bibles he has? You want to buy him a second Bible because he has only one. You want to buy him a second one. And they were looking at me. I said, why are you getting I said, because this is witchcraft. Why will you, why will you say you're buying your pastor a Bible? Where in hell are you going to get that Bible from? They, they, I mean, you don't, you don't honor people by ridiculing them. You don't ridicule people. A pastor is the most, I mean, pastoring is the most honorable job that you can ever have on earth. Most honorable. You see, this man is laboring. He has no farm. He's not going to take out his uh, Bible and go and sit by the road and be prophesying for people so that he can get money. But he makes available things for you. You come to church, things are done. You don't know how they are done. Bills are paid. You don't know how they are paid. Things, furnishing comes in. How they come in, you don't know. Ah, pastor, this is beautiful. This is beautiful. You appreciate it. You don't come back and say, how are you managing? You know, we are a growing church. So some of our secrets are known even to the neighborhood. One of them came to me one day and said, pastor, I want to see you. I said, come in. He sat down and said, how are you managing? (laughs) One of our boys had gone and shared how much we're taking in. With the parents. So the parent came to ask me how we were sustaining what we were doing. And I said, if if God is real, then I should be the example of God being real. Now you know the truth and you are seeing me and I'm still alive. Then you can trust my every instructions. Because I have proven to you that it is not this that sustains us. We muscle our pastors, we go to, we spend our holidays, some of us, in a few weeks or months, we travel abroad, we will never see boxers to buy for him. You know? We go, spend the time, come back, you know, pastor, I had a great time. It was refreshing. I just refreshed. Pastor is toiling on the table. He needs a refreshment. He needs time to go and check out in the hotel and sleep one night. Sleep. Sleep. Just sleep and rest. Some people have to make that available. Some people have to make that available. Malachi 1.6 says, If I am your father, where is my honor? The father has an honor. Honoring our leader simply is our responsibility to show that these are the people that we respect and is what will give voice and give value to what we are doing. I want to close with this. You remember the, the 
proverb that I shared with you in the Igbo culture about making your basket a trash can. Now, if you make your basket trash can, people will help you fill it. Now, I want you to think, how much have you been able as a person to project the value of your pastor? To the degree you are able to project the value of your pastor to you first. That's how others will listen to him. And that's how that change will come to them. But as long as you put him down, nobody will listen to your trash. So we are the ones who either make or mar the work or make it more difficult for the man at the head to succeed with God. Because we have the responsibility to hold them up, to support them. The support we give, our allegiance, our obedience, our care for them. These are the ways we honor the people ahead of us. And then, of course, share your testimonies. Are you following me? Share your testimonies. Come and tell him your experiences in the light of your growth. We give testimonies in church that spend, if you have 10 minutes, we spend 8 minutes talking about what the devil has done. And then we spend the other 2 minutes shouting praise the Lord. So at the end of the day, it looks like the devil is more powerful than God. But listen to me. God is careful and God is mindful of our success God has a foolproof plan there are other six spheres that we have not ventured into that responsibility is you and I and it starts first by accepting the man of God and holding him up by the things that we do in our relationship with him. I pray that God will help us. This is a growing church and I believe God this will turn out to be something massive, great. I know that and I want to see that happen in my own time. Thank you for the opportunity of speaking to you. This concludes this message. Thank you for listening and we hope it has been a blessing to you. For inquiries and further information, please send us an email to info at the or visit our social media platforms.